Hey, hey guys, this is Kara, your host, and welcome back to Blendwell Mamas. This week I spoke to an old co-worker, friend, and mom, Crystal Munzel, about her birthing experience, raising two little girls, and what it's like to become a new mom. So settle in and let's get started. I'd like to issue a trigger warning for this episode. We do discuss sensitive information, and if you are not in a space to comfortably listen, please refrain and carry along to the next episode. Hello? Hello, there we go. Can you hear you? Can you hear me? (laughs) Yes. There's always quite the uh, learning curve, I feel like, for everybody on this. I... Can you hear me? I can. (laughs) Okay. Your image is going to pop in and out, so. Okay. Well, you know, it is what it is. Um, How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for jumping on and doing this on a whim with me. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. Even if you had to hide from your children to do so. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's the mom life. Well, you know. Well, I don't know, but (laughs) I can imagine. Um, so I'm so excited that you are saying yes to coming on and doing this. Um, I, one of my missions for blend well is to really invite moms to share their stories and, um, shed some light on all the different parts of motherhood that can be rewarding and challenging and, um, yeah, just kind of all the sides of it and not being a mom. I think it's helpful for myself also to empathize with all those pieces so that I can best kind of fit into the puzzle. Um, so if you don't mind start and just, I mean, I I want this to be mostly about your story. So whatever parts of that you want to share and whichever parts you'd like to keep private are fine. Um, but so tell us a little bit about being a mom, becoming a mom (laughs) and yeah, (laughs) everything in between. (laughs) Um, gosh, that seems like such a, uh, like a broad subject. (laughs) It is, it is. Um, so you, you, for your first Priya, how old were you? Um, I was old. I was in the, um, the <laughs> elderly category for the, um, the OBG clinic. Um, it's kind it's of funny. More common, right. That seems to be more and more common. I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just kind of weird because I mean, with your first, you don't know what to expect. And, um, no amount of checking Pinterest or <laughs> asking Google, <laughs> no amount of research is helps you or prepares you for um, what to expect. Um, <clears throat> so I think um, it's just every person's story will be different because their children are different. Um, but for me, it was, um, unexpected because I didn't know if I would ever be able to have kids. So that was really um, awesome. (laughs) Um, And she was unexpected. Um, And so was my second, my first and my second were both unexpected. So um, it was a surprise going into the doctors because I didn't have any um, morning sickness. I had no indicators that I was pregnant or anything. So um, I, one of the few that never had morning sickness. So yeah. (laughs) You're like, I'm already killing this. (laughs) Um, So I was pretty far in my pregnancy um, before I actually went into clinic to be seen for both of them. Um, So anyways, I, go in and of course they're like, um, oh, you, um, you know, you're an old person. So you're in the high risk category. (laughs) I was like, thanks. Thanks a lot. Um, and with my first, it was really difficult because I had severe gestational diabetes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, so like the first time that I I had to do two types of insulin and I had to actually inject it in my belly. Oh, I can't and imagine. I know. And I <laughs> cried my first time or first couple times that I had to like literally put a needle in my belly. That was very uh, unsettling. Yeah. Um, so, but, and then I had, um, I was very strict with my diet and there was one time um, where I, 
I literally lived on salad and, <laughs> and, um, there was one time where, um, I had nothing to eat, but salad that entire day. And I had a, um, like a sugar-free root beer with lunch and, um, and this has been going on for like months. Right. And, um, I, my sugars were so high and I had, you have to send them into the doctor every day or, you know, report them or whatever. And so, um, the nurse called me and she's like, well, what did you eat? And I said, I just had salad and a sugar-free root beer. And, um, she's like, well, I guess you can't eat that. And I'm like, ah! and I lost it. <laughs> It's like, uh, I'm supposed to be yeah. feeling this baby and you want me to have like chips? What? Um, so I like kept it together because I was actually at work when she called me on my, because um, she saw my numbers and like freaked out. And, um, and I get home and on the way home, I started bawling and I called my partner, Rob, and I was like, he's like, what's wrong? And I said, we are going out for burritos, like, and tacos and whatever I can eat because I am just done. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what's going on? And so um, he's like, just get home and we'll talk about it. So I literally walk in the door and my provider calls me on the phone. And so I'm like, dropping my stuff on the ground and she's like um what's going on because I'm like bawling you know and I was like I'm so sorry I'm so upset I was like all I've eaten is salad for the last couple months and then um the nurse said I just can't eat that and I'm like (laughs) and um (laughs) so then she's like um we're gonna connect you with the nutrition and so at that point when I got to uh connected with a nutritionist then like things started evening out but um it wasn't until late in my pregnancy when that happened and so like it was literally like a month left before you know so um and she's like the reason why your sugars are high is because you're not eating carbs so um yeah and so I was like where were you a couple months ago (laughs) yeah you're like why did I have to advocate right um but when I got to the um the birthing pavilion. So, uh, the first couple visits before you go actually get induced, cause I was considered high risk and whatnot. Um, they were predicting her to be like eight plus pounds. And, um, for kicks and giggles, we asked the people, you know, the people of the birthing pavilion were like, what are you, what are you guessing? How big is she? And they're like, Oh, we're guessing like eight plus. She came out, she was like six something. Yeah. And yeah. so like they scare you and they like um you know, they just I don't know. They put you in a mind frame to expect the worst. And it's it was just not like that. And then when she came out, they were like, Oh my gosh, you are so good with your diet. I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, um, so I can be as personal as I want, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Totally going to be open here. I think that's necessary. You know, I think (laughs) that's what we want to allow is for people to be open with the experience because so much of it is shaded by this, this cookie cutter. You're going to be a mom. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to love everything about it. And I think we're, we're talking more and more about the reality of that and, there's definitely a lot of movement about that. Some of it a little bit more dramatically not healthy as far as like the recommendations in some ways, but on social media, but I think that it's good to at least be displaying that a little bit more. So yeah, we like sure. personal. Okay. So here we go. Um, <laughs> Hang <so>, on. <laughs> yeah. This is not PG. This is more yeah, like hard. Cool. Okay. So, um, I actually tore really bad with my first mm-hmm. um, and they were stitching me up for like an hour mm-hmm. and um, the, I don't know, we were thinking that maybe like one of the students stitched me up or something. Oh, no. um, yeah, because um, I got home and three days later had to be readmitted for mastitis and a uterine infection because uh-huh. the stitches came out. 
so um new mom first time yeah. new mom <laughs> and the crazy thing is that i honestly did not know what was going on with my body my body was like told i was totally shut off to my body and my entire focus was on my new infant mm -hmm. and so um I called, <clears throat> I was home for like three days and I called the doctor's office and I said, listen, she's crying. I, I think that she's just not getting enough milk and I don't know what to do. And so they started asking me questions and they're like, are you running a fever? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was 103 wow. and they said, we need you to go to the emergency room. It was like, I don't know, nine, nine o'clock at night or something like that. Um, so I go, by the time I got to the emergency room, it was like 104 and it just kept climbing. And so um, they readmitted me to the hospital. And that experience was a little different because, um, you know, the hospital that I had her at was a teaching hospital. And so, yeah, they, I went into the um, emergency room and the entire staffing that had been with me when I had her was there. And so they brought all the students down to the emergency room with me um, because they wanted them to see like the effects of like their work and stuff like that. So um, when they readmitted me also, it was, um, it was different because so they, um, I forget what they call it, but they they room in with your, your infant rooms in with you, yeah. but you cannot be left alone because um, you cannot take care of your infant because you're basically tied to the bed with IVs and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, so like Rob had to leave to go take care of our dog at home and had to bring her with him each time. And it was just like really unsettling, you know, because she's not with me and you know it was going to be like an over an hour mm -hmm. by the time he got back and so things like that you just like there's no preparing you for that you mm -hmm. know um but anyway so I I tore really badly with Priya mm -hmm. and then um I ended up um going and having um therapy um because there was a lot of scar tissue down there and um it was just, it's crazy because um, pelvic floor therapy is actually in high demand. And a lot of your pelvic floor therapists are will like, will book out months at a time. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's really difficult to find, um, to actually get into someone. And then if you don't like the person that you find, it's really difficult to change. Mm -hmm. um, so there's those challenges, but I did pelvic floor therapy and um, healed after like it was it was several months. It must have been almost a year, yeah. almost a year after I had her that I went to the provider and said, you know, can we do? Can you help me? I have some issues. Yeah. And um, she's like, yes. Yeah. So that's when she referred me. And then by the time I got in to the pelvic floor therapy, um, then it was I mean it was over a year, yeah. but. Um, once I did it um, and I had my second, um, I only tore one inch and needed like one stitch. Yeah. Did they so do it works? Can I ask, did you end up working with that pelvic floor ther uh, therapist for like an extended period of time or was it fairly short? Like, were you, um, how far out was your second birth from when you had worked with your therapist? So, um, the pelvic floor therapist was great. Oh, sorry. Um, she, I had other challenges. So because healthcare is so expensive, um, I, it was $40 a visit per, per visit for the therapist. Yeah. That is, ex it's crazy. Like, how do you, what am I paying insurance for? You know, um, <laughs> what does it cover? Half this um, that baby yeah. or what? <laughs> um, so anyways, so I asked her if we could do it in the minimal amount of, you know, visits. Yeah. And um, she was really good about, um, oh, sorry. Can you see me? No, you're, you're kind of, I have your, hang on. 
but I mean, yeah. okay, there we go. Um, yeah, it's mostly, it's not really you. It's just your image, which is okay, okay. I'm okay with it, but I just figured it was a connectivity thing or if it is. That, that's it's, too. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, don't worry about um, it. So she let me do a couple of visits and she gave me the tools I needed to do the therapy myself. Yeah. Um, so I must've seen her maybe three times, three or four times. I can't remember, mm -hmm. but she, um, she like printed out stuff from the internet, buy this, use it this way. And she was great in that way. And, yeah. but I had to be consistent about doing the therapy myself, which a lot of people don't. You know, that's like, they go like indefinitely to the therapist, you know. <laughs> I know there's a difference yeah. between like management therapy yes. and like graduating to be yeah. better. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, so I had my second um, four years after, five years after, I, I don't know, it's blur kind of. <laughs> um, so Zoella, I had... Um, yeah, I think Priya was like four or five, whatever. I <laughs> you had. don't know what day it is. <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't. I don't know what day it is. I don't know the date. I don't know. I hear you. I hear you. But um, it was a long time after. Yeah. Where's my phone? It tells me <laughs> everything I need to know. <laughs> right. I um. Part of the reason I ask that is because I am actually speaking with a chiropractor later this week, and I know that people just have very different um different approaches and so many people don't necessarily know about pelvic floor health at all never mind until after they've had a baby and this chiropractor tends to um see people prior to in preparation for so it's curious if your nice. pelvic floor therapist did any of that or not but if you've had a hunk of time in between that may not have been the case either i mean they're booking out so far so it's difficult um i I actually have a book that was given to me by another PT um, prior that gives you some tools, um, but it's just, like I said, I mean, nothing prepares you because you don't know what's actually going to happen, you know, because um, you could have like go in prepared to have an all natural birth and end up having to have a C-section, you know, and then you have different challenges. Totally. Yeah. So, um, because you don't, I don't, you, because you don't know what's going to happen, you just kind of have to prep for the, you know, yeah. for anything. Yeah. It's like, the option. it's like going into <laughs> a hospital zombie apocalypse situation where you just don't know what's going to happen, but you got to be prepared for everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wild, it is a wild concept, huh? But it's, you just have to kind of be in a space where you're, I think that, that might be some of nature's doing the innate, like I am ready to have this baby just so that you are somewhat distracted from the reality of yes. the possibilities. Is that you're like, I don't even care. Let's just do it. Like whatever we got to do. Just get it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't actually have a birth plan for my first because I didn't know what to expect or think or know. Um, but I did have a birth plan for my second. Um, and, but I was very, um, like smart about it. Like it doesn't have to be 12 pages. Mine was one page. Mm -hmm. Um, and it literally had information like, um, my, uh, support people. Yeah. So I had their names and who they are and what they are to me and their contact information, yeah. even though, um, you know, they were able to be there with me for most of the time. Um, <clears throat> So I, um, I just tried to keep it simple and also, um, avoid some of the other stuff like, um, because I'm an abuse survivor and, um, my, my partner, my Rob, my partner, my current partner is, um, he was basically accused or treated very badly with my first because they thought he was the abuser. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I wanted that information in my, somewhere posted somewhere, or I wanted people to be no, you know, notified that he, he's not that person. Yeah. And um, he was treated better this second time around. 
but they were very like, I mean, yes, I appreciate the thought behind it. Like <laughs> in a way, you know, yeah, but yeah. He, they were he was not effective, but it was misguided. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, so I, um, with my second, I was not uh, diagnosed with gestational diabetes until about four weeks out from, um, from having her. So um, thankfully it wasn't that long, but um, they kept, honestly, I did um, five, I think of the uh, drinks, you know, the, um, that test your blood sugar. Yeah. And, um, and one blood test where they do like every three hours or whatever. Yeah. So I did so many of those. I was like, you guys, can you just one way or the other? Like I'm, this drink is gross. <laughs> like I'm going to get diabetes from this darn drink. Like <laughs> you're like, you're giving me diabetes. I know. Um. <laughs> Well, and that's wild because of course you would have been way more prepared the second time, but that's how yeah. life works. And the second time, yeah. not the time that you had to stress about it. So, you know, um, the other thing that was different was, um, so the per the provider that I wanted to be with, um, originally at that hospital, I, I had been with her previously. Um, I had a miscarriage with my, um, you know, trauma background. Yeah. Um, and so she was the original one um, who helped me with that. So I ended up going with her at the second location that she relocated to. And um, and she, of course, was all booked up. And she, I guess, is more um, high risk, you know? So at the beginning, they were like, we can't put you with her. And I'm like, she's the only person I'll see. So... So they ended up putting me with her and then ended up being appropriate anyways, because I was high risk. Yeah. Um, so um, that was an, another weird thing because I don't know, they like, they push and pull and they, they kind of put you with whomever, you know, whomever they have room for, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the system is, but yeah. Well, and we see that all the time with PCPs, like they're not accepting new patients or there's like this weird ebb and flow yep. when they're available. And yet it's so important to have somebody that you trust and to like, you know, match people up well. And yet I don't think our, our current medical system really under, you know, uses that information well. Um, yeah. You might luck out and get a PCP that you really love. I happen to love mine right now, but I've had tons in the past that I'm like, meh take it or leave it. I don't feel like they really are following my care all that well. Like, yes, yes. they're seeing me. I have a go-to person. I'm not ill, but it's unfortunate because how, you know, even if you're well, when you, gosh forbid, do become ill or go through something big in your life, you want somebody who knows your background. So it's, you know, and can know your baseline and, and know if there are changes. And that just, unfortunately, how we operate right now, that doesn't really work. It doesn't seem to yeah. happen. But, and yeah. I can imagine having a child, I mean, that's so many people have anxiety around that or stress or trauma. And the idea that asking to be with somebody is a little bit of a, like, you have to be pushy is unfortunate. Like you really have to advocate yeah. for yourself. I mean, I get it if, um, if a provider is good at their job yeah. and well-liked, like everyone wants to see them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It'd be nice um, to have just like one major um, provider, like what you like, um, sort of like Yelp, you know, where you could just go to one website and find the good provider, you know. Um, yeah, it's hard though. It's quality yeah. of care, right? It's not the same with everyone, like you yeah. said. Um, so, and then after your birthing experiences, so after baby number one, that was definitely a little bit of traumatic experience it sounds like from tearing and kind of all these other pieces that you had to manage while being a first-time new mom and um what about so what about your second did you feel more prepared for that as far as being a mother over again now you've got a toddler um I mean I guess if she was five a little bit older than a toddler um and trying to manage all of that was it a totally different experience for you or did it feel smoother or harder or um I just, I was winging it. <laughs> um, so I don't feel like, 
um, I still didn't feel prepared, but I had peace in knowing that whatever would happen, I would be okay. Um, so I tried to be, to let my daughter be as involved as I could let her be. So I have like pictures of her, um, her like laying her ear to my belly and listening and she would sing to her and stuff like that. She, I tried to get her to be interactive and, um, Rob helped with that as well because, um, you know, he, he was teaching her how to be that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's important to have a supportive partner because then it's consistent all the way across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also, you know, teaches my girls that um, a man in their life, this is how he should be, or they should be, look what they should look for in a partner, you know, um, and someone who's active and, and engaged in their life and what's going on. Um, so I don't, um, I don't know, I mean, with, um, trying to make sure I answer all your questions. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> so with, <laughs> with Zoella, um, I let Priya do as much. So Priya is my first, Zoella is my second. Um, I let Priya do as much as she could, um, in her, in Zoella's care. So, um, whether it be helping with changing diapers or um, holding her or even helping me get her dressed. Um, so I'm teaching her how to treat a baby. Mm -hmm. um, and she actually practices that with her dolls now and stuff. So um, it's scary because your infant is so tiny and your natural instinct is to protect them and like, don't touch, don't touch, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I try to have her be as, you know, as involved as possible. Um, the other thing that I never did with my girls, I've never talked to them like baby talk. I've always talked to them like they were an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, there was this movie that I watched, um, a long time ago and I forget the name of the movie, but it was basically the storyline was, um, this gentleman who adopted this little boy who lived in a box mm -hmm. and he believed that he was like an alien. Mm -hmm. And one of the key phrases that what came out of that movie was, um, you know, children are like aliens on this planet and you got to teach them how to be mm -hmm. and um, what's socially acceptable. And, um, you know, it's just, you got to think of them like they're new. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I think that it's really easy to get frustrated um, when they start um, developing some of those natural pushback tendencies, testing the waters and whatnot, but it's actually a good thing. And so if you approach it from a view of what, what can I teach out of this? What can I guide or coach as opposed to, oh my gosh, you know, this is so irritating. Can you just please stop pounding with the stick? Like, you know, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's easy to get frustrated. And it's really, really challenging, first of all, to be a full-time working mom, whether you have a partner or not, it's hard. Um, and it's very difficult to find the balance um, because, you know, your day is just a blur and you're running and running. Like there are days that I have trouble finding time to brush my teeth. A lot of times, I mean, thank God for the masks nowadays, but um, <laughs> a lot of times all I wear is like mascara. Like that's <laughs> what I throw on and get out the door. Um, and sometimes, you know, my girls are pretty good about getting out the door and going, but like, it's still a struggle, you know? Um, I'll be standing at the door and 
Priya's like, I don't like these shoes. Well, why did you decide that you didn't like them about five minutes ago before I was walking out this door, yeah. you know? And, um, oh, I forgot my stuffy and we're in the car, you know? Um, so like if your day starts way early, you, you know, it's like 5 a.m. and you're rolling out of bed and it's a challenge to take a shower because, you know, you don't have anywhere to put the baby and the baby's going to be screaming, you know? So, um, I got really good at three minute showers, you know, just whoop, whoop, let's go, you know? Um, and then you're headed out the door, dropping them off. And at this point it's kind of easy because all I do is drop them off at daycare and they feed them, mm-hmm. but that's not going to happen in the future. Um, when, <laughs> when one of them's going to school. So, um, you know, and then I'm going to work working that eight hours and then racing home, making dinner as soon as I get in the door, you know, I like, I don't sit down until way late and I'm literally running. And if I sit down, I am not getting up. (laughs) (laughs) That like signals my body that, okay, you're done. (laughs) So, um, you know, by the time you do dinner, clean up and try to keep up with laundry, a lot of those things don't happen. And so then you're doing them on the weekend to play catch up. And it's just, it's challenging when you have younger ones and we also live in an apartment. So um, we don't have laundry up here. We have to go like in our neighbor's apartment. So we have to organize that. Um, to do the laundry and so the laundry piles up and um dishes like things just pile up because you don't have the time um the other big thing is wellness because you know i can eat healthy all i want but i gotta start exercising because i'm not gonna lose any of this baby stuff you know um but where do i fit it in my day like there's no it's very really really difficult Mm -hmm. so um At, um, I actually recently changed jobs. Um, hey, congratulations. Yeah. I didn't even know it until I saw it online. That's so exciting. Oh, really? Thank yeah. you. Are you liking it? I love it. And yeah. so Tell now what I your actually, position is again. Oh, so um, I am a senior secretary in neurology at uh, Dartmouth. Yay. Yeah. Exciting. Are you liking it? I love it. It's awesome. Good. Um, so, um, Anyways, so they actually have a full-on fitness center, and I can use that, and I'm required to take one-hour lunches now, which it was rare that I got a lunch at my former job. So um, I can actually work out and eat my lunch and have me time, which is awesome. So um, I- Forced time. But it only took, you know, it took forever to um, try and figure out how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And, but just, I would encourage moms to just continue to be persistent and trying to reach those goals. Cause it took me like five years, you know, um, I think um, something that nobody really talks about is also your support system. Yeah. So um, because I had a baby in 2020, <laughs> I didn't plan it. Um, <laughs> um, I think that it's important to not only get support that you need, but give support that's needed. So um, finding the time to um, take time out for my nieces and nephews or um, my sister or my brothers. So we actually have a, um, a group chat that, cause I have um, five siblings. So, <laughs> so I have four yeah, brothers. I can only watch, pay attention to one niece or nephew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have four brothers and one sister. Um, <clears throat> and one of them is in the military and just got back from Japan, but I haven't been able to see him yet because, um, because of COVID. But we still, we have a group chat and we just talk every day pretty much. Um, so I think that that is also really, really important because, um, you know, when, you, when we think about like, 
oh my gosh, it's another cousin birthday party, you know, like, here we go again, we're just gonna have some cupcakes, and, you know, junk food, and um, I'd rather just be home reading my book, you know, Um, so I, I just remember that I'm teaching my girls that you invest your time and energy in your support system, and you provide support to um, the people in your circle. Um, I just, it's so important Mm -hmm. because they are really the glue that kind of um, holds you together. And I mean, I don't say that lightly. It's, it sounds like a cliche, but um, I don't know. I found that my support system was important after my, um, you know, trauma and everything like that is what got me through an abusive relationship. So investing that time is, if my sister had not helped me, I would not have been able to get out of it. So it's just, it's huge. And so if my girls ever get in a situation like I was, you know, I want them to have the tools they need to identify what a healthy relationship is and that you have to work at it. You know, you have to work at investing time in your circle. Um, We also have, I have like eight friends that we typically go to Cape Cod um, for a weekend once a year. Um, we haven't been able to go in like the last, you know, year, whatever. I don't know if we can go this year, but um, <laughs> anyways, it's important too, because um, you need people outside of your family as well. Um, but it's really difficult to find friends that have your same values and that have your same, you know, interests and whatnot. So that is another challenge of being a mom because um, I mean, you can go places and be like, okay, I know that we are not going to click, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like for me, I see somebody with their like perfectly coiffed hair, you know, perfect makeup. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. You know, no, that is not me. <laughs> I am that like down to earth, tell it like it is kind of girl. And I don't do the fake thing. So like finding friends that you really connect with is really difficult as a mom because you don't have the time, first of all. So you need those kinds of friends um, when your kids are younger to be like, hey, haven't seen you in a year. Nice talking to you. Bye. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. To be forgotten about or to forget yourself is like, that's devastating to me. I don't want women to feel that way. Like, that's awful. And that's so much of why I want to do this work is because I just feel like the zest that I still have for life and being able to spend my time doing all these passion projects because I don't have children is never going to be the same for women who do have children. Obviously, that's a different picture. But this feeling I know is possible for moms. And that's part of why I want to like help figure out how we keep this feeling, even though the circumstances are different. I mean, I just think that people, people need support Mm -hmm. and it's wild to me to hear how many moms do not have that. Yeah. Like blows my mind, you know, cause I think everybody just assumes that, um, that you just had a new baby and people are going to want to be spending time with you. And, um, that doesn't necessarily happen for everyone. You know, it's usually a couple months after where you're like, where is all that help that I needed? Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Well, and, and when you don't have the energy, it's kind of the same idea as like the wellness stuff. Like when you don't have the energy to ask for help, or if you're feeling like, I don't feel like I should have to ask for help. Yeah, Um, that's a lot of the feedback that I get from people is like, I don't want to have to ask. I'm exhausted. Like asking is another thing that I have to do, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I want to just be seen without having to like beg to be seen. Yeah. I I love how you put that. You just want to be seen. Like you don't want to be, you don't want to have to ask. Like, why can't people just see that something needs, you know, done or that I need something? Mm -hmm. Um, One of the major things that just meant so much to me um was Rob's mother and sister came over 
randomly to the house and literally just cleaned my house. They just said, hello, walked in and literally just cleaned my house. They didn't ask permission. They didn't like worry about stepping on toes or anything like that. And I was like, we need more people like you in the world. Like (laughs) we need more people to like not worry about stepping on toes. And so I think people think I'm weird, but I do, I try to do that. I try to practice that. You know, if I go to someone's house and they need their dishes washed, just do it, you know? And it's funny because I think what you were saying about having part of your birthing plan and keeping it kind of simple, but having like these bigger concept things on it, like these are my safe people, you know, Mm -hmm. um, these are the basics of what I need. I've always felt like part of that plan, in my opinion, should be like, these are the, you know, these are the 10 people I trust to do X, Y, and Z. And they are on the list for doing whatever the heck they need in my house, you know, or like, these are the handful of people who like, I trust with my life, with my baby. They're the people who, you know, can come in and pick up my child from me at any moment or like hand them to me as my boobs out. And I'm cool with that, you know, (laughs) like having literally like the breakdown of where people fit into your life because I agree I mean I we just had a friend who um had a baby and I have lived at her house before so I know that I can walk in that door at any given time and clean or you know take the baby or whatever it is that I feel like is necessary um but it is it's hard because I think that the support sometimes flees because they feel like I don't really know what they want. I don't want to be up, you know, up their butt because they just had this baby and I don't want to be in their face about it. So it seems like that might be overwhelming to be in their space. But I think like that's, those are the times where your support system is so important because it's not just the bigger support system. It's like the 10 people that you spend the quality of your life with and it just can make such a huge difference. I mean, cleaning your house, like who would have thought that that would have been like, the thing that you remember (laughs) from having a child you know yeah but it's true it's it depends on the person and what things are like the triggers as far as like environmental stimuli that makes you want to (laughs) flip or which things are so helpful that you're like I will always remember that that person showed up for me you know and for some people, I feel like it's, it could be tiny things that they're going to mm-hmm. remember, you know, they're like, oh, they gave me a neck massage for like two minutes, but I just <laughs> like that they knew that I could use to be touched myself, you know, we're like, yeah. it could be anything, but it's up to your friends that are like your closest to be able to read that, you know, it's an, it's, I, I think that everybody needs that built into their plan. Um, because how do you ask when you just don't have it in you, you know? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Rob was very, a very strong advocate for me. And, um, you know, I just, I put that right on the birthing thing. I was like, he has full, whatever, you know, <laughs> what he says goes, you know, kind of thing. That's awesome. Um, but again, like I said, I, I had like literally put everything on one page because I didn't want them to be like, you know, it's like a 12 page document, you know, like who wants to read that, you know? Yeah. Well, and they won't, I mean, it's, you know, and it's not just anybody, like, are they going to be, do you want them reading through the list or do you want them attending to you? So it's, yeah, it's totally like in theory, that sounds great, but (laughs) yeah, that can be kind of hard to, to utilize. Um, so how old are they both now? So, uh, Priya's five and Zoella is, hmm. 15 months. Doesn't say. So when's her birthday? Uh, January 28th. January. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And how are they now? Are they, do you feel like you've gotten into a rhythm and you're like crazy mom, but at the same time, it's, yeah. like, I, um, well with COVID and everything, well, first, first I'll go back a little bit with COVID. Um, I was doing two pickups and drop-offs, um, oh. with daycare because there was simply no daycares open taking infants because around new England, another challenge is finding daycare. So a lot of times you have to put like, as soon as I knew I was pregnant, I put her on lists and she was number 17 on the list when I put her on the list. So, um, so I was literally doing two pickups and two drop-offs every day. Um, 
but now we've got them in the same daycare, things have kind of evened out. Um, and she, you know, Zoella is starting to present her, um, her character and stuff like that. And, um, and she also, I love watching the girls interact because they are just, I mean, they do fight, but they're just so sweet and good with each other. Like a lot of times, um, Zoella is very much, well, both of them are very much, um, like texture. They like need touch. They need to touch whatever they're, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at or interested in or whatever. Um, so, so Ella will go and she'll just sit there and cuddle with Priya Mm -hmm. and it's just that skin to skin. And, um, she just, I don't know. It's just so adorable. And (laughs) this is what I need. I'm going to go get it. (laughs) Yeah. So cute. And she's also, um, Priya has taught, um, Zoe, whenever she's like in the car, they hold hands or like, um, you know, when they're sitting on the couch, watching a show together, they hold hands. So like, um, so now when Zoe is like, comes and sits next to me on the couch, you know, she has to hold my hand and it's so cute. (laughs) And I like, I refuse to eat because I can't let her hand go, you know, (laughs) (laughs) best diet plan ever. (laughs) But yeah, they're good. Um, they're coming into themselves. They're two completely different people. Yeah. I think Priya is a lot like me and Zoe is a lot like Rob. That's awesome. So completely different. Yeah. And I am I just can't wait until she gets old enough to start talking back to Rob because she's so <laughs> much like him. It's gonna be so much drama. So I'm waiting for that to happen. Yeah, two two teenage girls in the house, right? I said <laughs> like 13 year old girls and like eight year old boys are what I think of as like the most challenging of times. Like yeah. I just think about when I was 13, I was a little punk. Oh my God. <laughs> just like oh. sassy, talk back, you know, brat, annoying. That's pretty much girl. when the hormones hit though, right? What? That's when the hormones hit, right? Exactly. You're like, like 12, yeah. 13. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. <laughs> You've got some time. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to put up cameras to film I all the stuff that I miss. <laughs> I don't know if you want to know. No, probably not. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad you came on and shared with us. Yeah. Thanks for asking me. And anytime, man, I'll just yeah. chat your ear off. I think it's so good. I think, you know, I want, I want this to be a place to educate and, and share resources, but I really just like the idea of it being conversational to help, help as many people as possible. I mean, I, I obviously I'm speaking to moms, um, because I think that's a huge, I've always said, like, I feel like preventative wellness at its core is with children and I, in the wellness world, we're doing so much work to like go back and, and work on our traumas and do a lot of healing. And what I kind of grabbed from that was, well, let's try not to have trauma in the first place. Obviously <laughs> that's not possible. 100%. Yes. There's life, life happens. But if we can minimize as much impact as possible by teaching coping skills, by teaching communication, by teaching, you know, healthy habits and simplified lifestyle and how to get our needs met, you know, all of these like really big concepts, but that if the foundation is strong, tend to be just a better start, you know, and, but how do you, how do you, how do you expect to impact children without first addressing moms who need support and the environment to be able to facilitate that it's definitely tough teaching um girls how um how to have those foundations and coping skills and things like that when you weren't taught them Mm -hmm. and so it's like the blind leading the blind sometimes but we're like on the journey together yeah so I do try to you know I'll sit down and say, I, you know, I'm sorry. Like I tell my, my girls, you know, I'm sorry I was wrong. And I want them to know that it's okay to, to own it. Like if you make a mistake, but it's also very, it's just difficult trying to train girls 
because I'm all about self-empowerment. I'm always, you know, like be strong, you know, become who you want to be, like all those great little quotes that you find. But um, it's different when you're actually doing it because if you don't practice it yourself, it's very difficult to teach it, you know? Yeah, very much so. Do you know, (laughs) I'm such a a big advocate for um, therapeutic recreation Mm -hmm. because it helped me process and deal with my trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that is a, um, a field that's like under the radar. Oh, totally. And that is definitely a resource that people should utilize if they have trauma Mm -hmm. is to get connected with a therapeutic recreation therapist and they they're huge they would help me you know doing it in a an outpatient setting I don't know therapeutic recreation in that capacity the same I'm not sure so um for me in the outpatient setting it was teaching me how to play because um <clears throat> I was like you know I was a parent when at a young age like young um to my siblings. Like I, I was taking care of them and, um, we really, we didn't have a lot of toys, you know, whenever I talked to my siblings we're like, I don't remember having really any toys, you know? So we were like, um, I don't know, probably a unique scenario, but they taught me how to play. So I think a lot of people, as we get to be adults, we forget how to play. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of judge people who do play. Mm-hmm. So like if someone loves golf, that's their play, mm-hmm. you know? And <clears throat> I think that more people, when you get burnout, you should just go play, you know, go find something to play with. Yeah. I know so- this sounds so simple and elementary, but it really is huge. Well, and so many people don't know how to play. So that, I mean, I think that's a lot of the substance abuse stuff is like, I don't know how to enjoy life because yeah, X, Y, exactly. and so my choice is to not do something that makes me feel good, but instead to do something that makes me feel good. Right. Or numb it. Yeah. 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 Well, that's beautiful that you had that experience. Um, I don't, I really am not familiar with therapeutic rec on an outpatient level. So that's, that's good to know. That's really an awesome resource for people. Yeah. I'll just keep talking all day. <laughs> I know, I am going to go. I do have to go, but um, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate Anytime, it. girl. Yeah. And enjoy the rest of your day. It's kind of gloomy out right now, but hopefully. That's all right. Gloomy. I'm going to be doing laundry. Yay. Oh, no. <laughs> Call a friend. Call a friend. <laughs> Or maybe I should say, like, friend, show up. <laughs> awesome. Well, enjoy right. your day, and thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, take care. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much to Crystal for being on the show today and sharing her story with motherhood with us. Everybody has a story to tell, and if you'd like to share yours with us, I would be happy to chat about getting you on the show. Until next time, have a wonderful day, and as always, be well.